Hello and welcome to the Standing on the North Bank podcast from Wales Online. My name's Matt Southcombe and today I'm joined by Chief Football Writer Chris Wathen and our Swansea City Football Writer Andrew Gwillem. Good afternoon chaps. Good afternoon. Good afternoon Matthew. Right then, let's dive straight in. Uh, 0-0 draw to kick off the season. Uh, Andrew, I'll come to you on this. How, how do you look at that game um, reflecting on it now? Is it with a, a positive attitude or are you slightly concerned? Because it was a good point but it, at times it was real backs to the wall kind of stuff. Yeah, I think there were the definitely signs for concern there, Matt. You know, um, you know, Swansea dug in really well to get a point out of that. But you know, if they continue to play as poorly as they did Saturday, then you know, results and points are not going to come particularly easily. Um, you know, didn't keep over the ball particularly well. Um, you know, really, if it had to be for Mawson, Fernandez, and Fabianski sort of holding things together at the back, uh, they could easily have lost that game. Uh, on the positive side, you know, I think the organisation uh, that Paul Clement has brought in, you know, you can see it there again. And ultimately, I don't think too many people would be dissatisfied with a point at Southampton, but there is big room for improvement in terms of the overall performance. Yeah, Chris, so what do you what do you make of it all? Uh, I wasn't there, but I watched the extended highlights and, and spoke to various people at the game. Um, Andrew sounds like he's still driving back from St Mary's <laughs> and trying to get through that M3 traffic. Um, <laughs> Look, before the game you take a point of course you do on the plus side um, they're actually a point better off than they were last year because they, <laughs> they lost only 1-0 at Southampton last year but they were they were outplayed and, and looked a bit of a shambles and if you're going to take the biggest positive I guess is, as Andrew mentioned is that that resolve that uh, discipline and, and sort of uh, ruggedness if you want at the back uh, was that saw them through the last end of uh, the back excuse me, <laughs> that saw them through the last part of last season, was there again. Um, you know, I was, I was reading with interest about the sort of reception given when Tammy Abraham, who obviously looked Swansea's only threat in quite a toothless display, was brought off for a defender. But, um, you know, Paul Clement was quite frank about it. He wasn't trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes or trying to say that they played well for any, any periods. They were having a poor day, and if you're going to have a poor day, the old adage is, well, you make sure that you don't lose. And I think, you know, bringing on extra defender, I think, obviously helped them show that up. There weren't any complaints when he, he did it at times last season, including that win over Stoke that pretty much swung the season. So, look, nowhere near good enough, um, but whether it's going to be a, a, an indicator of what's to come this season, well, we'll, we'll find out in due course. But... Um, you know, stay on the positive side. You know, I'm an optimist by my very nature. Is yeah. that uh, they've got a, they've got a point on a day where they you know, last season they could have easily lose that lost that by a couple. Mm. Uh, well, just touching on that substitution, um, Clement's uh, quotes after the match. He was a little bit bullish, but I suppose in a way, fair enough. As, as Chris was saying, what do you make of of the substitution and then what he said in the press afterwards? Yeah, I think I agree with a lot of what Clement said. No, I think you can understand fans are frustrated. I mean, you know, you, you want your side to, to win the game and, you know, to be as positive as you can be. But, I mean, you know, given that they've gone 81 minutes of having, you know, to be perfectly honest, an absolute battling. Um, you know, I think you can understand saying, well, you know, we've, we've just got to get out of here with with a point and just make sure we don't lose. And you know, I don't think there's anything wrong in that, personally. Mm. Um, you know, in terms of, the booing, you know, 
I personally feel Paul Clement is probably entitled to a bit more leeway and yeah. a bit more goodwill than being booed after the second substitution on the opening day of the season. Um, you know, ultimately he is the man who kept the side in the Premier League. They wouldn't have been playing at St Mary's on the weekend had he not made the impact he did when he came in. Um, the six Premier League games are beaten. That's only the third time they managed that since they were promoted in 2011. And it's four clean sheets in six in those six games. So you know, look, I can understand this frustration, but you know, it's it's the opening day. There's an awfully long way to go, and there's nothing wrong with the point. I suppose what is coming out of of, of that is the frustration of, of a lot of fans thinking the side hasn't improved, hasn't had the strengthening it needs over the summer, you know, and especially with Rocky Messer on the bench is what we expected as he takes time to adapt and you know, so that certainly wasn't the environment uh, for uh, someone to make his debut in. Um, but, you know, that side, you could argue, was weaker than the one that finished last year that almost went down, especially when you take out, for different reasons, Urente and Sigurdsson. So I think... And especially then, when you look at the bench and the and the lack of obvious options, albeit there's yeah. injuries elsewhere, I think you wonder whether there's frustrations of summer activity or lack of it coming out of that. But of course, then we go back to uh, the Sigurdsson uh, situation, um, which uh, if anyone's got a uh, a tick box, I think that was about five minutes in before we mentioned <laughs> Sigurdsson, um, which you know is is harming the team now. I think, as we discussed last week, I think they were right to make a st- strong stance. And it's not so much now that they're waiting for the money, but they're waiting to see what they're going to have to to do. I mean, they could go out and, and sign players now, but you know, if, if and when Sigurdsson goes, then you've got different holes to fill, different problems to solve, and different areas that need strengthening. So I understand why they want to wait, and it's not necessarily all financial. But at the same time, the longer it goes on, the more harm it's doing to Swansea in these early weeks. Yeah, we'll come on to uh, Sigurdsson and the summer transfer business in a little while. Uh, first up, uh, Andrew, I just want to talk to you about United up next at the Liberty on Saturday. Um, they look very good on the opening weekend against West Ham, 4-0, caveated by the fact West Ham perhaps weren't quite up to scratch. Uh, what did you make of them? Are you a little bit concerned heading into this weekend? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty ominous performance, wasn't it? I mean, I, I know you saying the West Ham were poor but they were made to look very poor weren't they so mm. you know obviously Lukaku is you know a you know, renowned goal friend you know they can rely on him for goals I thought Matic was really really impressive on his debut there and did make you wonder why Chelsea have decided to sell him when he's in that sort of form you know and they look you know they look they're a physically imposing team United I think on average height they're the tallest in the Premier League mm. and classic Mourinho side in many ways so they're very, they look they look reasonably solid in the back, sort of back six. Although I think they're probably they're probably like of a, a centre half in terms of being title contenders. But then with real pace and movement in the you know in the um, advanced areas. So you know I think it goes without question without saying this one's going to have to be an awful lot better this weekend than they were last. Um, if they don't have any aspirations of um, you know upsetting United at the Liberty again. Yeah, Chrissy. Having said that, and I agree with what Quill is saying, the Swans have got a pretty good record against United in recent seasons. Yeah, especially you know that draw at the end of last season, albeit a United side sort of 
flagging at the end of a marathon season and with their injuries and everything. Um, but I think it's something like 11 points from the 12 games they've played. And feel free to tweet or write in with emails to say that I'm completely wrong on that stat. Um, but, you know, more than decent uh, record, all of which counts for very little when it comes to kickoff. But mm. they won't feel that they're beaten before kickoff, which is, um, which is half the battle sometimes with these bigger sides. Um, Alfie Mawson and Federico Fernandez, both of which looked very good on Saturday, uh, you know, starting in the same manner they finished last season. And perhaps they should take heart from the way they marshaled Lukaku when they beat Everton uh, towards the tail end of last year. You know, a hugely important result. Um, so, yeah, Swansea are going to have to be at another level. They're going to have to be, you know, at their best and probably beyond that. Uh, the crowd are going to have to make it difficult for United and, and have that element of patience and uh, and who knows perhaps a nice Philip will be um, a certain Icelander future sorted out and one or two perhaps three new signings on their way that would really lift everything but you know Clement will want to focus on what he's got it'll be interesting to see whether he goes for the diamond again tries to keep it uh, narrow and, uh, and, a, and a bit more organised or whether they do go a bit more expansive and, and play um, the four-two-three-one, um, it's it, it is going to be difficult whichever way you look, and um, because United, I, I've got them down to win the league, I think, and um, and well, they made me look good on the opening day at any least. Yeah, and I'll just bring you back in on that now, Grilly. You mentioned the the height of the United side and how imposing they are. Um, it seems to be suggest- we think that the game's going to come a bit too soon for Llorente which means they'll be left with Abraham and McBurney again up top that's going to be a big ask for those two to try and get some goals on Saturday yeah absolutely yeah, you know, I thought Abraham did pretty well on the weekend um, you know, he looks lively and you know, you know he probably you know, think he should have scored that header in the first half then you know made a great chance for himself in the second half for that wonderful turn so you know, I think you know, he is the threat and, you know, Ollie McBurney is, you know, he knows where the goal is, obviously he's still pretty raw, still pretty young, as they both are and, you know, I'm sure they would have liked to have had the Lorente option. I mean, I don't think it's completely out of the question that maybe he sneaks onto the bench, but obviously he's facing a, a race against time and, and they could do with his, uh, you know, his proven goal scoring record in the Premier League this weekend. Yeah, Chris, is there a fear they could be perhaps bullied on Saturday? I don't know. It's not something you could level at them too often last year. Certainly not um, in Paul Clement, uh, Paul Clement's time. You know, it happened under Guidelin, happened under Bradley. But um, there's a there's a bit more steel about them since. And um, you know, aside from that opening game against Arsenal, where Swansea actually played well for 60 minutes, they they didn't concede a shedful like West Ham did at the weekend and I'm very aware now completely tempting fate because like I said United did look very very good you know these are the challenges you have to face and you have to step up to them and um, they can't lose confidence quickly and I include Abraham in that as Andrew said I was impressed with flashes it was a very difficult game for him to make an impression but he should be absolutely relishing this you know Clemens talked about you know, seeing a real hunger and determination in him and, and you just want him to get off the mark um, just because he'll feed off that even if even if it's a consolation tapping at the end you know a striker just lives off goals and I think it'll be important for going forward regardless of your fitness that 
he gets in there early and gets a bit of reward for the runs he's making. Otherwise, that confidence is so fragile, he'll stop making those runs and, and it becomes more and more difficult. But he seemed to be getting in the right areas on Saturday with the, you know, the very few openings and you know, I've, I've got a lot of hope for him. Yeah, it's just what you're making about physicality, Matt. I think it's worth sort of remembering as well just how how much Swansea have improved, you know, defensively in terms of you know set set piece work uh, since Paul Clement and Nigel Gibbs came in. You know, uh, Nigel Gibbs has quite a lot of the responsibility for preparing in that area, and they've only conceded one goal from a corner or a free kick since uh, you know since January, and that was. um, that was against West Brom in the last game of last season. So, you know, they have made some pretty big strides in that area and, you know, hopefully would hope that um, with that sort of organisation again that you know, they'll be able to handle uh, the area of threat of United. There was a great clip uh, in between the action on, on Saturday of and they showed Paul Clement on the sideline and he was screaming at the back four to stay tight and, you know, really hammering home the points that... Um, you know they needed to stay disciplined. They couldn't let it slip, and it, that was pleasing to see because again, you know, there's, managers have got to be aware of how games go. Sometimes you can't be stubborn and blinkered and just say you're going to do your own thing. And play. you've got to adapt to the game and know when the time is to shut up a little bit. And as much as you know, it it, it did take some optimism out of the air, didn't it? About uh, you know the way that they they you know didn't register a shot on target. Mawson and Fernandez and Norton and Fabianski and Olsen, you know, defenders like strikers that have got their own personal goals. Defenders have theirs, and they'll be going around, patting each other on the back, and you know, almost well, it's up up to others to create a little bit. You know, we've done our jobs, and uh, and they'll take confidence from that going into this weekend. So, um, you know, try to cling to positives. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's an early, it's an, it's early in the season. We've got to look at the positives. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I just wonder, where, I know it's, I suppose it's the million dollar question in many ways, but where do you think Clement will be looking to get at Man United? Is it, is it a case of letting them come on to you and then hitting them on the break? Is that, is that what we're going to see on Saturday? What, what do you expect to see? Uh, I, I've got to be honest, I, I'm not sure Swansea will sit and look to counter-attack. I think what the big thing they're going to need to do is they're going to have to be far better in their retention of the ball than they were last weekend. You know, the big problem they had was that um, you know they were robbed far too easily of it in midfield and when Southampton pressed high quite often they just pumped the ball up towards Abraham um, and you know and it becomes like kicking a ball against the wall. You know, it, it just keeps coming back at you and, and that's where a lot of their problems stem from. Mm. So I you know I would I would think so to be positive, you know, I, I think they'd want to be on the front foot and get the crowd behind them early on. But the key thing is going to be controlling the tempo of the game, being able to control possession. I think if they can do that in the right areas, because of the pace United have got up front, you don't want to be turning the ball over cheaply. Um, I think that that's going to be one of the main areas of focus: is can they keep can they keep hold of the ball, and can they defend better from the front mm. than they managed last weekend, and, and try not to give the back four quite so much work to do. Chris, how important is it going to be to frustrate Man United? Something you could perhaps feel when you watch them in recent seasons is the longer it goes without them scoring a goal, you mm. can see the pressure mounting and mounting and building and building. Yeah. And eventually, especially last season and particularly at Old Trafford, I know we're at the Liberty, but 
it, there were so many times where they couldn't finish off games. The longest ones he stay in this game, obviously, the better it's going to be for them. Well, if you look at last season, United sort of, how many draws do they have? I think it was like 15, 16 draws, yeah. where they ran out of ideas very, very quickly and, and sort of players, wouldn't say they downed tools, but started feeling sorry for themselves that they couldn't brush past teams. You know, let's be honest, as, as impressive as United were, and I'm, I'm a Mourinho fan and, and I'm a big Matic fan, I thought he was excellent. You know, West Ham were perfect for them, really, and the way they sort of rolled over in in, in some areas of that game. Yeah. Swansea do have to be, you know, have to be patient themselves in terms of knowing when they're going to be without the ball, knowing when they can gamble, knowing that it's going to take time, knowing that a point at home against United is nothing to be to be sneezed at. You know, they got trounced three nil last year in a game. I think everyone wants to forget for all sorts of reasons. Um, United aren't the finished article by any means. They contain some of the same weaknesses they had last year. Um, this is a you know very early days for them, and and it's it's an opportunity for Swansea to put that to the test. How are they going to um, have? How much have they adapted and evolved over, over the summer? Because um, you know certainly they they showed um, that they're nowhere near becoming the sort of um, side that Mourinho would want them to be, the way they were blown away by Real Madrid. Now, I'm not saying that Swansea suddenly have to be Real Madrid, <laughs> but you know that was a game where they struggled to, to get possession of their own, where the, the, the opportunities of, of quick, cheap turnovers for counters that West Ham were providing weren't there. Um, so, as Andrew says, you know, keeping the ball and frustrating United and, and knowing when to sit... Um, will be important for them. It's, it is going to be a huge ask, and I would be surprised if they manage to to get something from it. But I think what fans will want to see from a following last Saturday that they can be competitive, and that they have got more. They are able to be more of a threat, especially on their own ground, mm. uh, than they were last year. Obviously, it's. The home record last year was huge for them, so there's going to be a need for that to carry on. All right then, chaps, let's uh, sort of divert a second. The transfer market, uh, we're still open. We've got a couple of weeks left uh, of the window. I've got to come to it. Uh, Sigurdsson, uh, Gwil, where, where, where do we stand? This, is this still inevitable, as it may seem from the outside? or? Uh, you could probably play the clip from last week. <laughs> 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 doesn't really appear to have moved along does it? no you know, it doesn't we, we hear a lot of people say you know it's close it's close but we've heard people saying that for five weeks yeah um, um, I, I still think she will go um, but I think the bigger factor now from Swansea's point of view you know it, I, I think it's not so much now whether it's 45 million 48 million 50 million you know the transfer window closes in just over a fortnight yeah and, you know, Swansea are going to need the time to get deals over the line to, you know, to bring in the advanced options, you know, in forward positions that Paul Clement wants. Yeah. Um, and the longer this goes on, and the closer you get towards the deadline, the more difficult it's going to be. And those sides are going to look at um, what money Swansea may get to get to. You know, that's not going to make deals any easier to complete um, in terms of the financial packages. And... You know, it, it's incredibly frustrating. You know, it, it's frustrating for all involved. 
but you know for supporters in particular you know they're looking at a player who is probably Swansea's best player who is still on the club's payroll as it stands and you know yet obviously is not involved in games and is effectively a spare part at this time without any signs that he can be replaced unless he goes or the reinforcements can be brought in unless he goes and um it is, it is is far from the summer that Swansea would have wanted to have, given the troubles that they had twelve months ago. Yeah, I mean we we've been saying it for a while now, Chris, but and I think we may have said it last time, but this deal needs to be done for all sorts of reasons, and, mm. and pretty soon, Quill makes a very good point there. Clubs are now going to know exactly how much, well, not exactly, but roughly how much money Swansea have got. They're going to know exactly how desperate they're going to be in certain positions, and they're going to know that it's going to be Swansea will pay whatever that is demanded of them yeah I mean the advantage in all that in that disadvantage is that clubs already know they already know it's going to be 40 to 50 million there's already been talks uh, it's you know it's not just rumour that they've been linked with Boney with Chadley with Joe Allen three players if they get those in uh, for probably 50 million mm. um would represent very decent business yeah. uh, and I think everyone would be fairly pleased with that especially considering if everyone's being honest everyone pretty much thought Sigurdsson was off anyway yeah. before the end of the season um, it was just a matter of who was going to come calling and you know the way it's played out hasn't done anyone any favours I think um, it's it's difficult that you wonder why buttons haven't been pressed on on deals while they wait for this to happen but of course with uh, the way finances work at a club the size of Swansea and the way the wages to turnover ratio is already very high um, they can't commit to the kind of wages play, uh, those three players or players of those three's calibre are going to command as well as still having Sigurdsson if something should happen for that to all fall through mm. so it's this game of poker that keeps on going on and um, you know it's like daylight outside the casino and no one wants to blink yet uh, <laughs> so it's um, yeah it is incredibly frustrating um, you're always very aware speaking on a podcast that as we're talking now things could have moved quickly and you know hopefully it is hopefully you listen to this and um, and this is all in the past and all irrelevant because what you would hope is is that the Sigerson deal is done quickly and as Clement hinted at last week, the deals that bring others in can happen very quickly and that is becoming more of the pressing issue for Swansea now rather than how do they cope without Sigurdsson, do they want to keep, should they sell Sigurdsson, that seems to have gone now and it's about who they can get in, can they actually improve as a result of this? Um, and I think, you know, if it is those three, and we know there's interest in all, we know uh, there's been an offer for Alan that was rejected, I personally think they could be a better team. I think they'd miss huge elements of Sigurdsson's game, but I think they'd be a, they, they, they would be stronger for it. And um, But that's a big if. That's a big if they can get all three, whether they can persuade Stoke to do, to do the deal, whether Boney will be cheap enough, whether West Brom are going to... Um, outprice uh, Swansea in holding on to Chadley who I think would be a very good addition um, big big ifs with little little time left in the window yeah well I suppose it's always the same when, you, when you're bringing players in you're looking at whether or not they're going to strengthen 
um, or they're better than players that are already there. Um, in terms of Alan, Boney and Chadley, would you say that's true? Oh, I, th- I think they all bring something, definitely, Marty. Um, you know, Joe Allen was arguably the outstanding midfielder at the Euros last summer mm-hmm. and had an excellent first season at Stoke. You know, uh, you know, I'm just thinking in terms of what I saw on St Mary's on Saturday, you know, would Joe Allen in that team make a difference? Yes. Would Nasser Chadley in that side have made a difference? Yes. And uh, would Wilfred Boney either starting up front or coming on off the bench have made a difference? When he's in and he's fit and informed yes so I think you know in that sense I think they'd be three excellent additions and uh, to, to echo what Chris said really I think if if Sigurdsson goes and we're then sat here on September the 1st and those three have come in I think most Swansea fans and most observers would be pretty happy with with the summer's business all told because you know you, you won't replace Sigurdsson like for like it's, it's not you know it's not really possible so what you're looking to do is you're trying to replicate what he can bring on his own by the net contribution of the people you bring in. Mm. And I think I think those three would more than do that personally. It was quite interesting, wasn't it, last week listening to Paul Clement when it was put to him as a surprise that he hadn't added to his squad. And, and without being prompted, he launched quite a passionate defence of his defence. Um, quite adamant that he was happy with what he had in that department but I think he, it was always been clear he wants a sort of wide forward basically someone in the Chadley mould he talked to you Andrew about very impressed with Gwil's tactical uh, observations Gwil had an apple from the teacher on that occasion <laughs> Um, and you know clearly that's on the agenda but if he was looking at one bracket of players uh, before you know the, cha- the, the the opportunity or the threat of losing Sigurdsson came about, then the money from that is going to give you the chance to look at another group of players. So I sympathise on that regard. He clearly wants more in, in those advanced roles, clearly happy with his defence, and you can argue all day whether you agree with that or not. That's what he's, that's what he's said. Um, so there is sympathy that he, he knows there's a weakness, whether that's in the side or the squad, and he's he can't address that weakness as yet. So you know, and and bear in mind we're talking about you know the transfer window. These players are going to come in and settle. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be a good you know good few weeks. Although there's the international break during that time, there's going to be a good few weeks before you know anyone coming in, whoever they are, are going to be able to adapt into a side. Um, so it's it's going to be a bit of a slog these these opening weeks. Um, you never know; it could come to that first game after the after the transfer window. Um, oh, it escapes me, so the Spurs or Newcastle, isn't it? Um, and um, Sigurdsson and Rente might be striking up the partnership again. It's you just can't call it. I'm surprised Everton haven't pushed harder. Um, it seems to be squabbling over very low low amounts, discrepancies in value at the moment. But like I say I sound like a stuck record, don't I? It's um, the importance now is, and always has been, is not that you lose players; it's that who you replace them with. Yeah. Let me let me just, uh, Chris. You know me; I like curveballs, mm-hmm. um, so I'm going to throw one at you now. We're talking about trying to get this deal done soon. I said to you roughly a week ago when it became knowledge that Barcelona were very interested in Philippe Coutinho. Mm. Does anything make more sense than when Coutinho goes to Barcelona, 
Liverpool try and hijack this move? Funny enough, Alison Rudd, who writes for the Times, who is a huge Sigurdsson fan, says it makes perfect sense for Liverpool to go after Sigurdsson. She was very, very knowledgeable. <laughs> very knowledgeable. I mean, look, if you look at the kind of work rate Sigurdsson puts in, um, it fits the sort of Jürgen Klopp Gegen press. I think I pronounced that right. <laughs> um, um, so, you know, it would make sense in that regard. Um, and you know what? It would be perfect for Swansea, not because um, it, it heightens the, the, the probability of him going, but because one of the problems has been is that no one is seriously rivaling Everton. Yeah. Spurs had interest dropped away. You know, wasn't fitting into wage structure or the payment, uh, the value of him. Didn't they didn't agree with Leicester? Well, you know, it's our understanding that Sigerson has never considered uh, a move to Leicester. And so it's left Everton on their own. Um, if Liverpool were to come in, all of a sudden, you're going to have people quickly wanting to meet that value and quickly trying to get the deal done. Yeah. It would be absolutely perfect for Swansea. Okay, okay. Quill, would you go along with that? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I definitely would. You know, I just think, in terms of how we fit in, you know, we know that Sigurdsson covered the most ground of any Premier League player in any position of any club last season. So, you know, he's his work great in terms of fitting into that high pressing style of Klopp's would you know it'd be a good fit and just in terms of driving the deal along you know comp- competition tends to add a sense of urgency to these things doesn't it and you know as Chris said I think that's that's one of the things that's stalled around is that, that you know that there's not been a genuine alternative to Everton Everton have done a lot of their business very early in this transfer window so they haven't as much as I'm sure they want to get it done, they haven't quite got the, the time pressures the Swansea are under. You know, yeah. Everton have done a lot of business, Swansea haven't. Swansea have still got a lot to do. So, are there anything, anything that would allow this to wrap up a bit quicker? I mean, you know, I think there's been peace treaties agreed quicker than this, uh, <laughs> this transfer. You know, anything that gets this wrapped up quickly and Swansea able to go out and getting the necessary reinforcements has got to be welcomed and got to be a good thing if yeah. Klopp can throw in Ben Woodburn I think they've got themselves a deal <laughs> <laughs> that'd be nice uh, alright then just one more thing before we put this one to bed this week chaps um, go back to Saturday then looking ahead um, I don't normally give opinions I, I hold this together it's your job to give the opinions but I think if you said to Paul Clement now Paul I'm going to give you a one-all draw on Saturday I think he'd snatch your arm off Chris yeah absolutely I mean, look, he'll, he'll want to win the game. He'd love to win the game. Um, we'd all love him to win the game. But I think, I think you know, the way United are looking, the way they're going to go into the into the match, the way that Swansea will have taken a little dent in confidence. I think a one-all draw will be absolutely fine. And again, which is one point more than they managed against United at home last year. Quill, would you go along with that? Yeah, I definitely would. Yeah, I mean, I just think. Until Sigurdsson is resolved, I think I just feel Swansea. I don't know, obviously, until Lorente is fit, I think Swansea are limited in what they can do up front, and I think it's you know they're limited in their attacking options. And just on that basis alone, I think you know to keep a, a star-studded aside and as expensively assembled aside as United are. Uh, to a to a draw of any sort would be a pretty decent outcome. Yeah, I, I don't want that. To, I don't want that to come across as us being a little bit negative here. When you look at how both teams respectively started the season, and as you've mentioned, the players that Swansea are missing, 
then uh, you know it all needs to be looked at in that sort of context. Well, ultimately, if you'd asked me the same question about last year's fixture, would you have taken a three-nil defeat? Yes, because <laughs> it means it wouldn't have been four and five. That was <laughs> the feeling you were getting from this team. So. Um, you know they are making steps forward. It's frustrating that those steps have have become uh, stale. Stale is the wrong word, but you, you know what I mean. It's, it's frustrating that they haven't been able to make greater progress with this team's evolution because that's what Clement wanted to do: is, is evolve this team. And uh, and it, it understandably or frustratingly, it's it's been put on hold a little bit. Um, and we're all going to have to wait and accept the context in which these games are falling. Um, and that's that until uh, Sigurdsson holds up uh, a blue shirt. OK, then. Uh, seems like a good place to leave it then, chaps. Thanks for joining us today and thanks to you guys for listening at home. As we mentioned there now, it's full steam ahead this Saturday as the Swans welcome Manchester United to the Liberty Stadium for the first home game of the season. Got Paul Clemens' press conference on Thursday, Chris. We have, both of us there. Okay, so we'll have Paul Clemens Press on Thursday for you. We'll have all the updates on Wales Online from that. And then we're full steam ahead to the game on Saturday. We will be bringing you all the live updates from the game, all the reaction and quotes from afterwards on Wales Online.